Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, they say Pittsburgh is the Hollywood of the Rust Belt. Okay, no one says that, but the city is the backdrop for some amazing films and TV shows. That's mostly possible because of the Pennsylvania film tax credit. Tomorrow, the State Finance Committee is going to consider, again, whether to raise those incentives. So in the meantime, the team and I thought maybe you'd like to know how the sausage really gets made around here. It's Tuesday, April 19th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Lead producer Megan Harris, newsletter editor Francesca DeBecco. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Morgan. Good morning, Morgan. <laughs> Makes me feel like Charlie of Charlie's Angels. <laughs> so, Morgan, I know you're the host and all, but Francesca and I are very nebby, and we want to know what you know about how the local movie business works. I have done it all. I've been a production assistant, I've been a director's assistant, a producer's assistant talent assistant. I assist a lot of people. Um, So what do you want to know? Well, Morgan, I'd like to know, um, how did you actually get into film? Did you know you always wanted to do it? Yeah, I was doing documentary films for ESPN for a few years. And then um, my mom got sick and I moved back to Pittsburgh. And there happened to be a bustling film industry here. And I, I knew I wanted to make that pivot and get into, you know, more narrative work than um, the documentaries that I was that I was making. And um, I happened to find a job posting on like Pittsburgh Film Office, I think, for a director's assistant for this indie film. And I got it. And that's pretty much it. That was my first like first job, first foot in the door. And I ended up making connections that have led me to, you know, my other jobs. What's the most fun job on set? You know, since you've had all of these positions, especially as assistants, you get to, I don't know, a cool window into a bunch of different things. I don't know what looks like it would be the most rad. And also, which one looks like it would be like the worst job ever? I think production assistant is absolutely the worst job. You don't get paid well and you legitimately do all of the legwork. Like PAs don't get enough credit for keeping things running, you know, because because I think people tend to think that PAs are, you know, you're pretty young when you're doing that sort of work and you're all flibberty gibbet. Yeah. PAs are like the interns of the film industry. Yeah, they are. I That's... only did it once years ago when I was in college. So I, I was the, the runt, the runner, but I did everything. Everything. I took pictures. I got coffee. I yeah. every errand that anyone needed. You wow. you organized the 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 office. Like yeah, it's it's a lot. I got somebody's dry cleaning ones. Like it was just like, why is this even a thing? That's <laughs> yeah, part of the film. Yeah, <laughs> you know all. they they really do a lot of work. So I think honestly that is the worst job. And then I would have to say the best job. I don't even know if I would say it's the best, but I think it's where people tend to enjoy it the most, and that's hair and makeup. Ooh. Because you can go in that trailer and get like a facial. They treat you so Ooh. nice. They do your hair, they do your makeup. I love that trailer. Even if you're not like the talent? No, 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 please, only the talent. But like, I I would, you know, I would just go, pop my head in there and, and they would say nice things to me. And I was like, this is where I, I should be. Morgan's like, how can I, how can I uh, slide through here and pretend like I'm talent? How can, yeah, how can I get a cosmetology license really quickly? And um, 
be in this trailer. It was, yeah, that's that's one area I think that was probably like, at least I wouldn't say fun. I don't, I don't, I don't want to belittle anybody's hard work oh, yeah. uh, on any set. No, but, it's yeah. art, but at least they had great attitudes about it. For the most part, for the most part, you know. Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, so if you're looking broadly, why do you think people come to Pittsburgh to film here? Well, there's the tax incentive. That's huge. And two, it kind of is a city that has so many different landscapes that you can make it look like a lot of different places That's in this country. That's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you have uh, you can make it look like New York. You can make it look like maybe San Fran because of the hills. Like, you know, there's farms, there's yeah more rural areas. So there's just a lot in the makeup of, you know, Pittsburgh's landscape that that makes it a great place to film. Do you think there's like a specific look or vibe that filmmakers turn to turn to Pittsburgh for? Like, obviously thinking you know gloomy post yeah <laughs> a post-industrial town obviously that fits with that sort yeah. of narrative but um i don't know yeah just kind of curious if there's um, a, a certain aesthetic i think it's easy to do and, and easy is probably i should walk that word back before everybody listening to this is like it's not easy but i think it's <laughs> easier to do um period pieces here because pittsburgh is an uh, old failing, you know, Rust Belt steel town. Yeah. And um, because of that, we have a lot of things that have been untouched for decades, you know, and right. it, you can make it look old. Like and you just throw up, uh, you know, some older artwork and signs and um, certain, you know, suddenly you're back in 1950. Yeah, like I lived in um in Manchester and I was there whenever they were filming mm -hmm. Moraney in um by the flashlight factory over there. And um it's really interesting walking by on the sidewalk, they changed the exterior to make it look like little markets or like fruit stands almost and um and it looked really authentic. Um I think it was supposed to be Chicago, right? Yeah. It's all it's all smoke and mirrors yeah. though. Yeah. You 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 know, you yeah, take a peek yeah. behind that fruit stand and there's nothing there. I, I love it. There's yeah. no fruit. Well, so if we can be made to look like anywhere, are there places that people go to more often? You know, like I feel like I see Lawrenceville in movies all the time mm -hmm. and like our bridges and our tunnels and our prison. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, What are the like the top spots, I guess, that people like to film here in Pittsburgh? You know, I've seen sets all over um, Monroeville, I've seen they shot happiest happiest season in Monroeville and in, and well, they didn't shoot it in Monroeville Mall but they shot it out at Ross Park Mall but a lot of the scenes were shot out in Monroeville. Oh yeah, and then they went to a a jewelry shop in Lawrenceville. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Or was that Bloomfield East End? East yeah. East of the city. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was skeleton jewelry. Give them a shout out. They're a cool cool place. Yeah, and uh, Lawrenceville definitely because you can make that area look like a lot of places. And there's a you know there's a stage over in Lawrenceville. And, um, you know, where they'll finish up the work. Like a soundstage? Yeah, yeah. And um, Warrendale, there's a Netflix studio out that way. Um, so there's a lot of things shot out there. And Cranberry. What's shot in a soundstage? Like, what's the difference? Like, what would you do out on the street and what would you do in a stage? So the things that you would do, obviously, like out in on, on location um or most of your like kind of like establishing things and establishing shots 
things that you end up getting on a soundstage would be uh, takes that you had to get again. So say like the audio may not have been good or you no longer have that location. So they make a replica of, uh, so say it's like a, an interior bedroom. They're gonna make that interior bedroom on one of the stages. That's what the construction crew's there are for. And they'll remake it completely so wow. they can reshoot scenes like that. Yeah. That's so interesting to me. Movie magic. And really resource heavy, man. Like, can you, I, I'm just thinking of like some of these ones, especially the older ones, like in the West End or uh, the Birmingham area of Southside. Like, it's just the sets are so intricate. I can't fathom what it would take to try to do that again on a stage. Yeah, because, you know, I knew, and then too, like a lot of these places, especially in Pittsburgh, um, that, for example, the indie film that I shot, like. What film was that? It hasn't come out yet. It's called Dear Zoe. Oh. It was such a small set. Like it was in this house in Braddock. And, um, you know, so the people, all the crew can't fit in there. Um, you know, it's difficult getting cameras in and out and equipment up and down stairs, grip equipment, lighting equipment. Um, so that's another reason for having a stage. It just makes it, it makes those sort of like um, reshoots possible. Yeah. What's the hardest part of finding people to work at all? You know, like like staffing and are there some jobs that are like harder to find good workers for or like trained people or people with like credits that you know are are badass enough that they fit for this production or another yeah so i mean the problem with being in pittsburgh is that once you know there tends to be a lot of things shot here simultaneously and so those crews just get you know taken up, you know, and they're just on everything. So staffing becomes a, a problem um, here in Pittsburgh because usually you end up having to outsource some some positions because there just aren't enough people to fill it. I was actually going to ask a similar question because I was wondering if a, like a lot of the people on set are from Pittsburgh or if they're traveling from elsewhere to come here to film because it makes me think about how much how much opportunity is there for people in the Pittsburgh film industry to actually get a, a job on set. Yeah, a lot. So that is part of that tax incentive. You have to hire... Most of your crew, I think maybe like 60% of the crew has to be local, um, you know, but that is just mostly just production that doesn't come from the actual producers, the directors, um, directors of photography, the DPs. So like the top positions may still come from L.A., Hollywood, like that kind of area, yeah. but the the people who actually like create these worlds for others, those are the Pittsburghers. Yeah, mm. the production crew- That's so interesting. Comes from Pittsburgh. Um, a certain amount of work has to be done here for you to get that tax incentive. So hiring local is, is part of it. And also like pre, post and actual production. A lot of that, a certain amount of it has to be shot here. Do you think that like actors like coming here? I do. I really do. I mean, I work a lot with, um, you know, the jobs that I've had, I do work very closely with uh, a lot of the actors. And everybody does seem to like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a cool place. And I think it's someplace that most people have no real concept of until they get here. Right. And so it always kind of takes them by surprise. I will say I feel like the one thing that people don't like is the weather. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, so yeah, they come in from LA with these, these, I coat shame. Um, they come in from LA with these like light, you know, winter coats 
and I'm like, it's negative nine outside and, um, <laughs> you know, or it's snowing and it's raining. They just I, I think they're not a lot of people from L.A., at least the, their blood has thinned out, <laughs> you know, so they're just unprepared for the weather here. But other than that, I've I've never you know, I haven't ha- had anybody say uh, anything negative about Pittsburgh. They seem to love it. Well, I like that they're, you know, pleasantly surprised. They may have an idea of Pittsburgh before they come here. But, you know, you don't have to tell us how cool we are. We all know that. Right, right. That's how I feel. Exactly. That's how I feel. I'm like, you know, I got to give props to Pittsburgh. I think it's cool. I think we're cool. I completely agree that we're cool. I do think that we still need to work a little bit on our PR game because outside of Pittsburgh, people don't have a clue that we're cool at all. That's okay. Oh. We're we're a hidden gem, and I don't want people coming here. More people than there already are. <laughs> stay stay where you're at. We are rough, but there is gold. Yes. There is gold here. Yes. Black and gold. Yes. <laughs> so if they are, if if you're taking over like a street or something like that, like what happens first? You know, do they like fix the signage? Do they bring in people? Like, what what are what are the steps to making like a new place look totally different? Yeah, well, first things first is you know you get a permit. Um. That's true. <laughs> it's, that's always first things second. Always. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the way the schedule is usually done is that they try to shoot things that are going to be at that location all first. It doesn't matter you know, necessarily the order of anything. You don't shoot like chronologically, you shoot by location. So if there's 20 scenes, you know, that are going to take place on Butler Street outside of this uh, cafe or whatever, like then that's what they're going to shoot first, you know. So it's going to be all those scenes, all those people. Production crews are massive. I think that's the one thing too that people don't realize. It's a, it's you know hundreds of people making this all happen, and it's even it's even more weird because it's like you know we they basically we have a job where somebody just like contacts you and um, you hope it's legitimate. You don't get pay- you know what I mean. You don't get paid up front, and you just you get this call sheet saying you know we have a six thirty a.m. call at this place, and you just show up. And everybody shows up and starts working. It, it's such a weird phenomenon. Totally on faith. Like you don't, you don't. Totally on oh faith. Oh my God. Like when do you get paid? Wow. Well, when you're on like a um, a, a set or something like that, it's usually bi-weekly. Um, but, you know, if you do other like f- production work, so if you shoot commercials or if you're shooting something for like a limited time, it's like every it's like 30 days, every 30 days, maybe. Wait, so how long do shoots take? I think I thought that they were maybe faster than that, but not if you get by, paid biweekly, right? Like that would that implies like at least a month. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, production is probably um, a solid two to three months, depending. That's just for a film. A TV show can run you about nine months out of the year, which is why um, a lot of people like TV, but it's very bright. It's very time consuming because you got to figure you're on at minimum 12 hour days uh, for nine months. Wow. That whole mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. What are working conditions like then? Like a, a 12 hour day all the time is a lot. I would I would I'm very curious about this. Yeah, I mean, I'd be the first person to say they're not great. You know, last year there was the whole IATSE strike. That's the one of the unions, right? Yeah, that's the union. That's a production union. And at like the 11th hour, they struck a deal that really wasn't all that great. You're talking about working from maybe 530 in the morning until it could be like 330 
you know, in the morning. Um, not like straight through on one day, but the way that your week starts out is you start out early and then you work your way to later shoots in the week. So it's like you might have a 7 a.m. call time on Monday so that by Friday you have a 1 p.m. call time and you're working until one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, really like three o'clock in the morning by the time everybody's packed up and like wrapped. So they're taking the maximum amount of your free time always. The and Always. I imagine you need a lot of sleep with how hard you're working and how chaotic it can feel. Yeah, and that's been part of the problem too. Like people were, um, you know, after working until 3 a.m. and your schedule changing so much throughout the week, then you have to drive home. Um, and a lot of people were coming out during the impending strike and saying, you know, how they got in uh, terrible car accidents because they fell asleep at the wheel driving home oh from from work. Yeah. You know, it just really it's a very stressful <laughs> environment and it takes a toll on your physical and mental health. Well, so if you're on set that long, that they do feed you, correct? Like, that's what craft services is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get fed well. There's there's perks of the job. I mean, when I'm on, <laughs> you know, when Good. I'm on something, I realize, like, I don't have to go grocery shopping for months because I'll never be at my house. Um, I'll never be eating food from there. It'll just rot. Um, so, you know, craft services is lovely. That's also probably one of the, the gems of production. Um, Do they usually use local companies for that? Like mm -hmm. restaurants or catering services or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. That's all local, too. Do you have a favorite? Like if you walk on set and you're like, oh, so-and-so's catering. Oh, <laughs> you're good. like, yes. Like, gotta loosen the pants. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. You know, before COVID, there used to be this guy who, who worked like in craft services and he would make soups. So the time that we were shooting, it was like in October, November in like Braddock. So it was like, you know. The weather was like getting prime soup season prime Ooh. soup season and they would yeah for like second meal they'd have like soup and crackers or bread it was really good i thought that was like sweet so morgan you see you know these advertisements when people are looking for extras for films and such and i'm just curious like do you see the same extras over and over like do they get good money like what does that work like over and over again it's always the same extras um, yeah but because you know what there, there tends to be a little network of people here a lot of people are retired or um, you know have some sort of flexible work and they really just have gotten to know one another and just enjoy it and you know it, being an extra is pretty it's pretty good work if you can find it it doesn't pay extraordinarily well but you're on a film set all day. You're at craft services. You know, <laughs> you you get to put on uh, some sort of costume, you know, and, um, you know, you do your little walk back and forth and, and you're in the background of things. It's just it's not super labor intensive, but it is still a long day. Do people have to audition for that? Not to be an extra. Not to be an extra. There are featured extras. You don't have to audition for that. But that just means that your face is seen more so in the scene than background. Oh, that's know. funny. What an interesting distinction, like seen more. Yeah, they get paid more. You get paid more. <laughs> Do you have to be a prettier to be, extra? Get bumped up to be a feature extra, yeah. <laughs> My ideal like extra position would just be like a person sitting in a cafe because that's all I want to do. <laughs> I was an extra on the Pickle movie. 
that oh. shot here. Seth Rogen's movie. Oh, American Pickle. Yeah. American Pickle. And Can we see you in it? Maybe. I was in the press scene and I was a photographer. I'm absolutely not going to watch that terrible movie again. It's terrible. It's I, terrible. I love that that was, that was the thing for you. If you haven't seen was, it, you want to watch the movie, definitely look for Morgan. Take a screenshot for the rest of <laughs> Yes. And in, in the press conference scene, when he is describing how he fell into this vat of pickle juice and was preserved, um, I know it's funny. I really respect Seth Rogen um, and really love his work. His book was actually really good. Shockingly good. Really. I, I, di- I didn't even know anything about the movie. But from that scene, I was back there as an extra. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the concept of this movie is ridiculous. But I, you know, I brought a book that day. I, um, I read. I ate. I did not socialize because I don't speak to strangers. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. I did. But that's how I noticed that a lot of these people do this work often, you know, and have like their own little community. So it's it's cute. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, yeah. And back to the tax credit. That's the focus of tomorrow's hearing. Megan, I know you looked into it. So what's going on with that? Yeah. So the tax credits are basically just incentives. So if you follow some rules, you get a percentage off of whatever you spend. In Pennsylvania, that's 25% of the cost of your production, but we have a cap. So any film or TV show that wants to come here or to Philly or anywhere else in the state, they have to share that same pot of money. And right now that total amount is 70 million. Hmm. How does that help Pennsylvania though? Well, for one, it makes a ton of money in whatever town they're in because you figure all these people are flying in, they need food, they need long-term hotel rooms and lodging, you know, and they spend all sorts of money on stuff around town. Right. Yeah, and they employ a ton of local people too. I think the last estimate I saw was something like 30,000 statewide, including Morgan, of course. (laughs) Gotta get paid. (laughs) 100%. A happy podcast host is a paid podcast host. (laughs) But that cap is also an issue because the film office gets asked to do way more projects than we have the tax credits to support. So 40 states now have some sort of incentive program, and it's really competitive now. So if a production wants to be here, if we can't offer them anything like a cash back rebate or anything, there's no point for them. Like they're going to go somewhere else. So is that what the hearing's about tomorrow? Yeah. Are they thinking about raising it? Yep. Uh, Lawmakers are supposed to hear testimony from six people. They have a set painter, a craft services operator, two union officials, the manager of a resort where a big production has been recently, and then Don Kieser, the local director of the film office. Um, They're all pushing for a higher number, and Don is the only one I saw that put a number on it. She's asked lawmakers to move our cap from 70 million up to 125 million, so doubling it. Mm. I could see that. It, It takes a lot of money. Um, to film anything, uh, no matter how short or how long. And so, it, you know, I would like to see some films be able, more things be able to shoot here because they've raised uh, the cap. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine that doubles it? So like maybe double the films? I don't know. I don't know if we have the crew for that here in Pittsburgh, but (laughs) it would be very nice. I'm not really sure if that is high or low. Like I'm not too confident in how that compares to other states and if it would make us more competitive but yeah actually um i mean by comparison she says that our two the two places we compete with the most are new york state and georgia yeah so new york has a 30 percent cap for 490 million dollars so like way way more than our piddly 70 and then georgia has a 32 percent rebate and they have no cap at all so they can spend an unlimited amount of money it's kind of wild 
And so many things film in Atlanta specifically. I mean, oh, I know there's yeah. things all over Georgia, but like so many things film out of Atlanta. I, I thought about moving there at one point. Glad I didn't. Um, but, you know, I just figured I'd have the same amount of opportunities there as I would here. Yeah. So this isn't going to put us on like their level or anything, but according to them, at least it would make us more competitive against those 37 other states. So given this hearing tomorrow, do we know what's on the docket, like what they're looking to start filming uh, in the near future? Yeah, right now the film office is sitting on offers, I guess, from six films and five TV series, or maybe not offers, but interest, right? Um, And they say that's just in the last month. These are groups that want to get lined up for our tax credits. But it's kind of a guessing game as to whether that can happen, especially when you factor in Philadelphia. Usually, I think we're totally booked by late spring or early summer. So productions have to put in those calls really early in the year. The only thing I did hear for sure is the mayor of Kingstown from screenwriter Taylor Sheridan. Mm. He did Sicario and Yellowstone. So that's supposed to be starting here in June. And then American Rust season two is still sort of on the docket. But I guess they're looking for a new distribution partner and they're not going to like lock them in until they know for sure where it's going to go. I bet. Didn't you work on that, Morgan? I did. So there were a couple iterations of it. Um, I was on it 1.0 pre-COVID and it shut down because of COVID. And then um, by the time it picked back up, I had already had other jobs. So I, I wasn't able to commit to it. Poor American Rust has really had a tough road to hoe here in Pittsburgh. <laughs> it's it's really had a very it had a very rough production, um, you know, from what I was told. So I you know, I'm sure that they're looking to find another home because it is a really good show. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I am in favor of it coming back if only for the Jeff Daniels, Rich Fitzgerald comparisons. Those are my favorite. <laughs> oh, my God. That's his twin. <laughs> it's his doppelganger. <laughs> uh, and of course, all of this is really just an overview. Um, if you want to learn more about it, uh, Dawn herself will be on WESA this morning at nine o'clock. Um, so you can tune in to hear exactly how all this tax credit stuff works and what she's hoping for from this hearing. There was a lot happening in the news this week, so let's catch up. Police still have not identified any suspects in the mass shooting at a house party on Sunday morning that left several people injured and two teens dead. The party of about 200 people, mostly underaged, turned chaotic after shooters fired 90 shots into the Airbnb on the north side. Matthew Steffi Ross and Jaden Brown were the two victims, and they were both 17 years old. Over the weekend, a Wilkinsburg police officer punched a protester to the ground during a demonstration against police brutality and justice for Jim Rogers. Rogers is the black man who died back in October after Pittsburgh police tased him eight times. The punch happened when police were trying to get the crowds to go away and a bunch of protesters circled around to listen to Jim Rogers' niece. Photojournalist Jared Wickerham got the whole thing for City Paper and we've been sharing those photos on our Instagram. And if you're looking for our city leaders, you'll need to wait a while longer. Both are still quarantining after testing positive for COVID. Mayor Ed Ganey says his symptoms have been mild and County Executive Rich Fitzgerald says he feels fine. Both are vaccinated and boosted and both say they're still available just working from home. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you like the show, give us five stars. And while you're at it, subscribe to the morning newsletter. We'll be back Thursday with more news from around the city. See you then.
pickle movie. Man, that shit was terrible. <laughs> I was like, I had no, that was the fir- that was really the first thing that I did when I got back here. Seth had to be stoned as hell to come up with that. <laughs> 